Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Long fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 yes. 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 Give you a championship. A 25 lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. gentlemen welcome to a very special episode of the platinum sabero podcast for one week and one week only i am your host doc herbert this is episode number 158 of tps we are proudly brought to you by sports drink we are also brought to you by the fine excuse me the fine folks at spotify green room if you've been listening to platinum sabero for any length of time you've heard dylan do this spiel a million times i've never done it so let's see how it goes spotify green room is a live audio only sports talk platform free to download, easy to use. You can talk to me. Actually, you can't talk to me because Dylan's the only one that does them. He does them Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, but you can talk to him. You can talk to other fans, athletes, insiders in real time. It's great for watch parties, debates, though not political ones, or debates with your family for any reason. Uh, Post-game breakdowns, reacting to breaking news, which is kind of what this episode is anyway. There's all types of fun things you can do with Spotify Green Room. All you have to do is download the app, Spotify Green Room. You can do it in the iOS App Store. I think that they moved off of just being on Apple devices, and now you can be on anything, so you can get it wherever, Google Play, what have you. Uh, create a profile, link your Twitter. You can join the group. You can let everybody on Twitter know when you are joining a group. Uh, you can follow Dad at Dylan X Short and be notified anytime that the room goes live. And like I said, he does Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Spotify Green Room. Proudly presenting the Platinum Sombrero. So, just a quick glimpse into the world of TPS. We have different work schedules, so we also uh, we often have to text each other and get an idea of when we're going to coordinate. We used to always record on Wednesday nights, but those were simpler times, pre-kids and uh, very demanding jobs. When we were coordinating this week, 
The only two days that Dylan had off were Monday and Wednesday. Monday, we said, would probably be out because it was going to be too close to the most recent episode we recorded, so it looked like Wednesday was going to be the one. And as fate would have it, that marks nine years since the lovely Sarah Short said yes. So they are celebrating their anniversary. So we had just kind of decided that unless there was some type of big news, we were going to skip doing an episode of TPS this week. Well... On Friday afternoon, or it might have been Friday morning, news broke that Travis Darno re-signed with the Braves. So, I reached out to Dylan. I said, Are we, do you want to do this? And I kind of got the feeling that he did not. So, this is the first ever solo episode of TPS by yours truly, Doc Herbert. So, let's dive into the news. We all know Travis Darno. We're all very excited that he is back off of the injured list. We were missing him for a good couple of months. He came back to a completely different team than the one he left. Uh... When he got injured, the only Brave that was really hitting was Ronald Acuna. Ozzy was finally starting to come around a little bit. Riley had found, found his power stroke a little bit from that series up in New York. Freddie was still scuffling. Ozuna hadn't figured it out. Truthfully, Ozuna never figured it out. So imagine Travis Darno's surprise when he steps back to a team that had rallied and really gotten to the point where they were in the position to take over the division lead, which they have since done, and no small part of the fact that the Mets and Phillies can't seem to string together a winning streak. And he's hitting better since he came back. Uh, he was really struggling in the early part of the season, much like everybody else on the team, like I just pointed out. Since uh, since coming back, he's hitting 238, 360, 476. That's an 836 OPS that is actually higher than the 815 OPS that he had during the 2020 Silver Slugger season. He's providing uh, very positive defense. He's got great rapport with these pitchers. So when the deal was announced that he has been extended for the next two seasons at $16 million, that for me is just a spectacular, spectacular extension. There were going to be questions around the catcher position going into the offseason anyway. We saw William Contreras earlier in the year, and he flashed some promise, mostly with the bat. Uh, but then, as tends to happen, opposing pitchers figured him out. They started exploiting his weaknesses, and the next thing you know, he was tied with Kevin Smith for one of, being one of the least valuable Braves for this entire season. So, Love Contreras, very bright future for him, really bright future for Shea Langoliers as well, but he will not be ready to take over for that next season, so there were going to be plenty of questions about the catcher position. There will be other off-season shopping items, and I'm sure that Anthopolis will address those in due time, but it is really nice to go ahead and get a really good, solid, everyday catcher back in the fold. This is a move that is absolutely just predicated upon him kind of rolling with what he did last year. You know, Darno's career leading up to the point in 2019 when he was picked up by the Rays, you know, he'd bounced around. He'd been drafted by the Phillies. He played for the Mets for a while. He, he found himself in L.A. He got DFA'd and picked up by the Rays, and he finally started to figure something out. And he was always talented, but he was in too often injured to put anything together for any extended stretch of time. After he spent his time with Tampa Bay, they did what Tampa Bay does. They helped kind of turn him into what he is right now. The version of him that existed in 2020 was something all brand new. As I said, Silver Slugger stepped right in. He was our cleanup hitter for a very large portion of the 60-game season. So his loss, even if he wasn't hitting very well, in the 2021 season when he went down was humongous for in on multiple fronts. It, it shortens the lineup. 
you had to go out and get Kevin Smith for one. And uh, defensively, Smith was fine. Offensively, we all know that he was hitting like Mike Fultonavich. So getting getting Darno back and having him be just rock solid. I've talked a lot about on the show about name recognition. The guy like Adam Duvall, when you drop him in the lineup, even if he's hitting 226, he's a threat to go deep at any time. And you have to be careful with a guy like that as opposed to somebody like, we'll just pick on Abraham Almonte. Almonte's fine and he can go deep, but you're not nearly as scared of Abraham Almonte's past as you are of somebody like Adam Duvall. Same thing goes for Travis Darno. Even for the the version of him that wasn't able to to access that power, if he didn't have a really good hit tool, he has that now. And for the for the past uh, 2020 season and what he's done since he came back from the All-Star break. The power hasn't been there as much, but you respect the name. And you know that if he's not going to go deep, then he's going to get you a good at-bat. The other night he had a 10-11 pitch at-bat that led to a walk, and that sparked a rally for the Braves. So love having him back there. He doesn't have to be spectacular to serve a really good purpose. And I think that's a, that's a really important part about Darno. Last year when he was working with a pitching staff that was – obviously decimated, couldn't keep anybody in it except for Freed and Anderson once he eventually came up. Now he actually has good pitchers that he is working with and he's able to build a rapport with, not just for this year, but also for next year as well. It's absolutely humongous. And because he stepped back into a situation where Freddie Freeman is hitting now, Austin Riley has seized the role of cleanup hitter and he doesn't look like he's going to relinquish it anytime soon. You can take somebody like Darno, and if he's hitting 238, 360, 471, that's okay at cleanup, knowing that he could go deep. Or you drop him down a couple of spots, and now you've got him hitting seventh, you've got him hitting eighth with Jock Peterson, who is also a threat to go deep at any time, hitting right behind him. That's an even better role for him. He doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be JT Romuto. Because there's only one JT Romuto. He is making a fraction of the cost, which is fine. And you're getting a fraction of the production, but it is a much larger fraction uh, of production than the fraction of salary is. So this is an absolutely stellar move. When Darno got hurt, I was kind of curious as to whether or not he was going to come back anyway. He always seemed like the type who seemed very cerebral, very thoughtful type guy. I think to be a catcher, you have to be a kind of thoughtful and cerebral guy. When people like to criticize Snicker because some because of some of, some of his excuse me in game decisions, and and I get it, but being a baseball manager is about more than just in game decisions. You're managing people. You're essentially a boss, and that's what catchers are for a pitching staff. Nobody works harder on a baseball field than a catcher does. They're essentially the quarterback, even though it's a defensive position. But Darno really, really works well with these pitchers. And having Max Freed, yeah, Max is the the de facto ace right now. But you also have guys like Waskari Noah, guys like Ian Anderson, and a lot of the guys in the bullpen as well that Travis has connections with. And he has worked with these guys a lot. And he knows how to get the best out of them. He's really good at calling games. He's really good at sequencing. So like I said, you have these are things that you can't do unless you are a very thoughtful and you are really accessing a lot of brain power. So I always kind of got the feeling that Travis, when he got hurt, it was kind of eating him up inside for the fact that he couldn't be there. There's part of it that, yeah, he wants to be part of the team. He feels like the team is struggling. 
they were struggling with him, so they they would be struggling without him as well. But it's not dissimilar to me to when Chris Martin got hurt in the 2019 NLDS. He was brought over to serve a purpose. Outside of the first week that he was here, he was spectacular, and then he couldn't throw one pitch in the NLDS, and the Braves, you know, they brought him in in Game 1. They should have won Game 1. They blew it. They wound up losing the heartbreaking Game 5. And I think Martin kind of kicked himself for that a lot. Now, granted, he didn't choose to get hurt. Um, It was just kind of a freak accident. But when he re-signed with the Braves, it didn't surprise me because, similar to Travis Darno, I feel like it kind of ate him up. And there was part of him that said, I let the team down. Same thing here. And to get Travis back at the same price next year for somebody who is not necessarily a proven commodity in terms of, you know, 5 10, 15-year track record, say what you will about Yadier Molina, he does have a bit of a track record, even if he's a bit of a tool sometimes. Uh, But what he is now, he's perfect for this lineup, he's perfect for this team, Uh, being a good right-handed power bat, and this team also has some really good lefty bats as well. You can go lefty-righty up and down the lineup and just create nightmares for opposing pitchers. There's some questions as well about what this means for the future. And when you talk about an error, to the throne of catcher. The Braves have some really, really, really good catching prospects now. I talked about William Contreras. So we can do him first. You know, we we know Contreras is a humongous talent, really, really great prospect, great at the plate, evolving defense. That was always the thing with him, is that his defense had a ways to go, but the bat was going to be ready first. And especially when you take all of the different mental backflips you have to do to be a catcher in the first place. You have to learn those. You have to learn a lot of things to be a successful catcher. And some of those things don't come naturally, and some guys are just going to struggle with them, which is fine. Prospects struggle all the time, which is why they're not in the major leagues. You also have Shea Langoliers. Langoliers was the ninth pick overall in the 2019 draft. He was the makeup pick for the Carter Stewart mishap in the 2018 draft. He was the anti-Contreras, essentially. The defense, rock solid. The game calling, rock solid. The arm is a cannon. I mean, he's got sub-two-second pop times, and you you pair that with a very accurate, very strong throwing arm. He is one of the best defensive catchers in all of the minors. He might already be one of the best defensive catchers in the majors if he were to come up today, but he's not coming up today. The bat has really, really come a long way. And he's, he's playing at Trustmark Park in Mississippi, and that is a pitcher's park. That is really a pitcher's haven, and he's got something like 17, 18 home runs. Nobody was expecting the bat to come along like that. So when you think about Alex Anthopoulos, what he prioritizes, it's defense and speed. Those are the two things that he really, really loves. Even if it's not necessarily a team that is going to steal a lot of bases, he likes fast players. Even when you look at somebody like Freddie Freeman when he's like a gazelle, you know. Anthopolis didn't add him, but you know he loves the speed. Ozzy is power, speed, defense. Acuna, power, speed, defense. So, for somebody like Shea Langoliers, he kind of, catchers don't have that speed, so you can lop that off the side. So what do you come back to? You come back to defense and power, and that's Shea Langoliers. William Contreras... And I kind of got lit up on Twitter about this earlier today. And I've thought this for long before he even came up to the majors. William Contreras, because of the bat, and also because of the, I don't even want to call him shortcomings necessarily at the catcher position, but because of the things he has not figured out yet. 
and the things that Shay Langoliers just inherently, instinctively does well. When I look at William Contreras, I don't even see a catcher. I see somebody who is athletic enough to move in the outfield. And when you think of catchers, generally speaking, yeah, you've got some exceptions. You've got your Bryce Harper, and you've got your Dale Murphy, and you've got your Craig Biggio. Some of the guys that move to other positions, and in some in the cases of Murphy and Harper, they move to the outfield. Some guys can do it. Not all of them can. I got a lot of kickback on this because I think some people are just kind of set in that idea that all catchers run like Jake Taylor and can't move laterally and have no speed. Contreras can. He's young enough. He's agile enough. He's athletic enough to figure it out. And you know he's got the arm for it. And I also know that the Braves have multiple really, really good outfield prospects. You know, Acuna's coming back at some point next year. You've also got Christian Pache, Drew Waters, who are top 100 prospects, and you have Michael Harris, who is just recently starting to show up in top 100 lists as well. So it's not like the outfield position isn't already stacked, you know. The only top 100 prospects that the Braves have right now are three outfielders and Shea Langoliers. So these guys are great, all right? Christian Pache is spectacular. Drew Waters is spectacular. Michael Harris is as well. I mean, if, if you've listened to TPS, you've heard us just rave about all of these guys. But prospects bust all the time. And I'm not saying that Pache, Waters, or Harris are going to bust. But what I'm saying is, things happen. I can tell you a million prospects off the top of my head that were supposed to be the next big thing that never became anything because baseball is really, really hard. So, eventually, there is going to be a situation where it's going to come down to who's going to be the everyday catcher. And this might be well past the view of when Travis Darno is even in the picture. I think that towards the back end of his deal, that's when this is going to become like a real, real talking point. You know, next year they might do something as simple as bring back Stephen Vogt. Let Contreras continue to get reps in AAA. Let Langoliers continue to crush AA. Maybe they start the outfield experiment with William next year. Who knows? Maybe they never do it. I have no idea. But I can absolutely see a scenario where Langoliers takes over as the everyday catcher from Darno, and Contreras starts getting reps in the outfield. I know it's happened in spring training before, but I've also, I saw Craig Kimbrell pitch in the fourth inning in spring training. So anything can really happen there, but don't be surprised. You know, these guys are baseball players and Tom Glavin jokes about it all the time. Oh, well, they're athletes, you know, talking about pitchers. I mean, they're, they're all athletes, you know, they're, they're not all, um, fat slobs. They're not all Dan Vogelbach. You know, they're, these guys can get out there and they can really run. Contreras is young. He doesn't have catcher's knees yet. So that's something that, uh, that I have been thinking for a very long time. Eventually we'll see if it comes to fruition. Maybe Contreras uh, steps his defense up. Uh, but for now he has a ways to go. Just a fun little reminder that nothing has changed within the past 17 minutes. We are still brought to you by Spotify green room. Join Dylan next Thursday if he's not working, for another Spotify green room. If you have any questions about how to sign up, rewind, 17 minutes. So I've covered the Darno extension. Real quick, I just wanted to get into tonight's game and the series this weekend against the Orioles. We touched on it a little bit uh, during the main episode this week. I'm curious to see how the Braves respond after almost blowing an eight-run lead in the ninth inning the other night. Uh, I've seen a lot of vitriol directed at Will Smith, and I get that. But if Josh Tomlin hadn't just completely pooped the bed before Smith came in, we wouldn't be blaming Will Smith. And it really looked like 
it was just setting up for a number of things for that to just be something for as many <laughs> for as many comeback wins, walk-off wins as the Braves have had against the Marlins over the past couple years. It looked inevitable. Once it started rolling, it was 11 to 5, it was 11 to 7. Jesus Sanchez hit one to Fort Lauderdale. I, you know, then they get two guys on and who comes to the plate but Alex Jackson. Former Brave felt like he could never get a fair shake in Atlanta. Alex Jackson has finally started hitting home runs. And Will Smith has had a number of times this year. One was against Luke Williams. The other was against Riley Adams. Where here's this guy who has no business hitting a home run off of me. And Marlins had two guys on. Three-run home run. Would have given them a 12-11 lead. That for a game that had been so one-sided. Freddie hit for the cycle. Five, five bases loaded walks? How? That does not happen. Five bases loaded walks, and we almost blew the game. So, the reason I brought this up is not because I like talking about negative things. Quite the opposite, actually. But I'm curious to see how the team responds. You know, they had been on such a great roll. They had seemed, uh, not invincible, but they had seemed like they were really just overpowering everybody. And that was the first sign of weakness I've seen from them in a while. And... It's particularly important because they're going to Baltimore, and Baltimore sucks, y'all. Baltimore is terrible. They're they're terrible. They're the worst team in baseball. They've lost 15, won five in a row. Like they 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 have lost so many in a row. So the Braves finally showed some weakness. They're going into a series against the worst team in baseball in a hitter's haven, and they're going against a lefty tonight for his career. I actually wrote this down. I want to make sure I get this right. For his career, Keegan Aiken is 1-9. and nine. This season, he has an ERA of 813. The FIP is 478, so he has had some bad luck, but 478 is still kind of bad. In his career, he's 1-9. You know who he got that one win against? The Braves, last year, September 16th. is the only win of his entire career. He went five innings, scoreless, three hits. Somehow. These are the guys. These are the things that I that I was these are the things that scare me the most. You put us up against Max Scherzer and it doesn't bother me. You put us up against Garrett Cole and it doesn't bother me. You put us up against the guy who's 1 and 9 with an ERA that's got a comma in it and I am terrified that this is going to be the guy that shuts us down. But that's some early season thinking. I need to purge that from my from my thought process. We've won 13 out of 15. The Orioles are bad. We lost a series to the Pirates earlier this year, so you never know. But tonight, you know, we got Max Fried going. I referred to him as our de facto ace earlier. You know, Baltimore is actually not doing bad against left-handed pitching this year. They're 262, 315, 436 against lefties. It's a 105 WRC+, plus, so it's better than league average. And the 751 OPS, both of those are 10th in MLB, not just, uh, not just in the AL. So there are a lot of things that the Orioles don't do well, but they do kind of excel at hitting left-handed pitching. Um, they do have Cedric Mullins, they have Trey Mancini, they have Ryan Mountcastle. They've got a couple of guys on offense that can make a little bit of noise, but this is a team that's scuffling. I said on the main episode this week, is an outside possibility that the Braves could go 11-1 and on this road trip. Even if they just win the series, as opposed to sweeping, that's 10-2, and that's not bad. Things are about to get tricky on the schedule, so you got to take these easy wins, and 
recently that's something that the team has been really good about doing as opposed to previous seasons and even even earlier this year. So got my eyes all over Camden Yards tonight. I'm really hoping that since we're facing a lefty, uh, Ozzie can do his thing, Duvall can do his thing. You know he loves to crush lefties as well. So keep your fingers crossed, Braves fans, that we uh, when the series against the Yankees starts next week that the Braves will be 68-56, and 56, you know, for a team that – couldn't find its way over 500 for a large part of the se- part of the season. It's kind of preposterous to think that they're um, at this exact moment they are nine games over 500. So, really proud of this team and the way that they're playing right now. No guarantees about anything for the rest of the season, but feeling good right about now, and uh, that's counteracting a lot of the bad feelings I had in the early part of the season. And I hope that that is the uh, truth for everybody who is listening to this as well. So I have taken up plenty of your time. I was wondering how long I'd be able to talk, and it looks like I made it 20-something minutes. So hopefully nobody has uh, thrown the device they were listening to this on out of a window or off the top of a building or anything. If you stuck around for the entire thing, I appreciate it. Just a reminder, we are brought to you by Celebrity Mugshot Ping Pong Paddles. Put some shame in your game. We are also brought to you by the Britches and Hose Pants Emporium. We will see you, excuse me, I will see you next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. (laughs) 